Welcome back to another episode of Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Today we are recording episode 129. Before we introduce our guest, I want to introduce my book, which is the same title as this podcast. It's called A Gift from Adversity. It's available on Amazon. Um, the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. So today we have a very special guest. So let's invite our guest. Hi, Lois. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you, Jory. It is lovely to be with you and your listeners today. Thank you. So can you tell our audience who you are, where you're coming in from, and what you do, and if you have a website or social media? Great. Thank you. My name is Lois Strachan. I am dialing in from Cape Town in South Africa. I am a disability coach. I'm a best-selling author, a podcaster, and a writer. I work a lot in the disability space. And my website, which is the best way to get through to all of my other social media as well, is loisstrachan.com, and that's L-O-I-S. S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N dot com. Loisstrachen.com. How is South Africa? We're in the middle of summer at the moment. It's our summer is the opposite kind of season from, from the, the northern hemisphere. So it is a beautiful, warm, sunny afternoon here in Cape Town. Thank you so much. So let's dive into the first question. Before we do that, I apologize my about my voice. I just kind of lost it, but let's keep going on. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? When I was six years old, I was diagnosed with type 1 or insulin-dependent diabetes. And what very few people seem to know at the time uh, is that long-term living with diabetes can result in certain side effects. And what that meant for me was that when I turned 20, I started developing problems with my eyesight. I had 12 or 15 months of laser surgery um, on my eyes just to, to try and clear the problem and clear my eyesight. That didn't work. It was followed by six surgical operations, which also didn't work. And at the end of that, I was declared totally blind. That might sound like that in itself would be the adversity that has shaped my life. But in fact, I've been one of the really fortunate people who has had all of the, the building blocks in place that have helped me to adjust and to cope, to overcome that adversity. The difficulty that I think I face in my life nowadays is really more around other people's responses what they believe disability means. 
to what they believe that blindness means and the limitations that that they try to impose on me that the adversity becomes struggling to overcome those challenges so it's 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 possibly a little bit different from what people might expect but that is something that i very very truly believe Thank you so much for telling me. Um, what exactly is it that people think that you said it's a challenge for you? I think when people meet me, all they can see is my blindness. If I encounter somebody when I'm walking down the street, if I encounter somebody in my my working environment, they look at me and she go, they go, "Oh, she can't see." Therefore, that means that she can't do anything, that she is dependent on other people, that she needs help, she needs care, she needs assistance, she needs charity, she needs, she is totally dependent. The reality is that there are so many resources and tools and technologies that I have that I can I always say to my my speaking audiences that I can do pretty much anything that a sighted person can. And I often challenge my audiences to say, what do you think I can't do? No one's ever taken me up on that and said, tell me how you do this activity. Using a laptop, um, getting around from place to place, how you do your podcast, how you write your books, how you write your speeches, you know, what gives you the confidence to do this? You know, I've never been asked that kind of question. And it's hard, though, to to live in a world that really doesn't have big expectations of me. They can't see my strengths, my abilities. All they can see is my blindness. And I'm not unique in that because we see it in literally every aspect of life. We see it in education, in employment. We see it in social organizations, in faith-based organizations. Literally every place that we turn to, every aspect of our life, we face those same barriers that are imposed on us by what other people believe disability, blindness means. And it, it's just simply not true. Thank you for telling me that. How were these um, surgeries affected you? At the time I went through the, the the specific surgeries that I had, I was studying at university. I was in my final year of my degree. So it did mean that I had to take time out of my studies. I was very fortunate that I had the financial resources that allowed me to, to have those surgeries. And I think that depending on the country where one is based, they are possible, you know, there's, there's, it's not always a huge cost for the specific surgeries that I had. 
So often in government healthcare and things like that, that that, that is often also assist their assistance around that. But it did mean that I had to take time out. And it did mean that when I recovered from the final surgical operation and was given the news that I was going to be blind, it did mean that I had to totally learn new ways, different techniques, different tools that I needed to help me adjust to living as a blind person in a world that is largely not set up for people who are blind. Well, thank you so much for telling me that. Um, so I know you said you can do many things, but what are the things that you cannot do? You know, this is where I, I, I seriously struggle to even think about things that are an obstacle for me. Yes, it may take me time, more time to do things. So sometimes things do take me longer. It may be that when I'm working or doing something online that I struggle with a particular website or an online process that is not really set up to use the kind of technology, the, the text-to-voice technology that I have accessible to me. But I'm really fortunate I've had an incredible support system that, you know, the once a month or so that I, I, I'm sitting with that um, situation that I do have people that I can turn to and they help me when I need it. But, you know, apart from that, I really struggle to, to think of things that become a challenge for me. And, and, and even then, it's often more that I still, life is, is a learning experience. I think I learn new things every day. So as the technology changes, I'm learning. And everything I learn about means that I can do more. Um, also, as the world becomes a little more aware of the existence and the need of a productive community of people living with disabilities, they're learning more around accessibility, what our needs are in terms of access, and, you know, things then change. So I, I often say that just because something isn't possible for me now, it may be that I need to learn something new, a new technology, a new app, a new technique. But ultimately, that's not to say that it won't be possible for me tomorrow or next year. So, you know, life is constantly changing. And I love that. I, I love the, the possibility, the potential that exists, that even things that are more challenging now increasingly become easier. So in America, we have uh, American Disability Act that's from 1990. How about South Africa? 
in South Africa, we don't have the same policy um, in place to to preserve the the rights of people with disabilities. I understand that something is being developed, but at this stage, there isn't anything in place. And I think that does have certain implications because we don't have the legal protection to say we need for things to change. And if you don't change things, we can take you to court. There are certain rights enshrined in our uh, Bill of Human Rights that is part of our Constitution. And that's an incredibly powerful document. So we can use that as a way to to get our accessibility, our rights um, to be put in place, to get things to be changed for the better. But it's an incredibly long and incredibly costly process to do that. And a lot of South Africans do not have the financial means or the knowledge of how to work within the system to affect the change that we want to see. And it, it, it is something I am almost on a daily basis, I am reminded of how incredibly fortunate I am that I have the resources and the knowledge at my my at my fingertips that that I do because there are so many people living in South Africa and in the world who don't have those same opportunities. What are those opportunities? For me, I, th I think it, it comes down to a, a number of different things on personal level, on a um, social level, on an environmental level, and yes, on a financial level. So on a personal level, you know, I have people often telling me that they find me incredibly resilient, incredibly flexible. And part of that comes from, I think, my, my very early days as a child, when I loved the ability to solve problems, to solve puzzles. And back in those days, those looked like games. They, they were word puzzles word searches, things like that, and or picture puzzles that I used to make back when I was sighted. Nowadays, because with my blindness, solving puzzles, solving problems looks more like being able to take a new task or something that's a challenge or something that's a problem for me and breaking it down into small steps that I need to figure out and that often helps me to get through the challenges that I'm facing. So that's the first thing, I think, in terms of the opportunities that I have. I have all the, the resources internally in, in my personality, all the attributes that really help me to, to be resilient and to, to live the life that I want to. In terms of my social support and my opportunities there, I do have an incredibly strong 
support base with my family and my friendships, my colleagues and the people that I, the network that I have. I'm also very tapped into the various organizations in South Africa and around the world who are there to support people living with disabilities. And I tap into those networks and those tools and those organizations whenever I feel the need. And that also keeps me very in touch with changes that are happening in the, the world of disability. Obviously more, more blindness than, than other disabilities, but I, I do have a certain network of people who are living and experiencing other disabilities as well. And then in terms of the, the more financial resources, I am incredibly fortunate that I do come from a kind of a middle-class family where I have a home, I have food. If I need to buy the certain day-to-day -day, uh, expenses, that doesn't particularly affect me. It allows me to have the freedom to do the things that I want to do. I'm by no means rich, but I do have that financial security. And I think living in a, a country where only around 2% of people with disabilities are employed and where often education is, is not as effective as it could be, um, employment opportunities, all of that is, is, is difficult for many people. And poverty is a huge problem in South Africa. So I, I, I am constantly reminded, and it, I keep it very close to my heart, close to my mind, about the fact that my lived experience is just so much easier than many of the people with whom I am working and who I try to serve with the work that I do. How is your diabetes right now? I have to admit that, you know, as someone who's been diabetic now for, oh gosh, I mean, 40 years, 40, 45 years, um, the, the track of my diabetes is taking the form of, of many other people's. I'm fortunate so far in that while I am blind, while I do have certain other conditions related to my diabetes, that it doesn't have a serious impact on my health. My diabetes is incredibly well managed and I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate there as well that I am working with a really, really great doctors who are monitoring my my situation whose advice i know i can depend on and who are willing to take the time to explain things to me if i don't understand so you know again i consider myself really fortunate with that because so many people are living in a situation where they are there's a lot of pressure on the the health system that they have can access Doctors are rushed, they are over capacity, 
and they just don't have the time to to explain and give the information and it often does lead, mean that people are maybe not as as well informed as they really need to be so yeah i i do have access to to private healthcare that that makes a difference in in my situation well thank you for telling me that um what are the other challenges or adversity that you can tell our audience you know i really I think you know every now and then I have frustrations. We all do. I have bad days. We all do. There's nothing unique about that because of my blindness. And I think for me for for anyone it it's a situation um a case of trying to figure out the the techniques to help me get through those bad days. What do I need to put in place? And it I mean I think I don't think my experience despite my diabetes despite my blindness I don't think my day-to-day -day life is any different from any other person in the world and in fact as I said I'm far more fortunate than many because my 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 disability my health condition doesn't impact my mental health it doesn't impact what i'm able to do it doesn't impact my my confidence or my resilience and again i'm mindful that i'm incredibly fortunate around that because so few people are able to to live with that um situation so yeah i you know i i think even when i do encounter things that are difficult for me i have a couple of 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 mottos that i i live by in my life and one of them is very much that over the years i've discovered that there's so many things that i can do why should i waste my time worrying about something that i can't yet do um and sure, I'm not trying to say that I am perfect or that I am always out there doing and and being and 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 exploring new things. There are days that I do just want to sit quietly and reflect and regather my energies. But I think that's normally part of life and I'm I'm comfortable that at least those days are very few and very far between. Well, thank you very much. Let's move on to the second question, which is the tools. Mm -hmm. So what are the tools that you use to overcome your adversity? I think, again, there are internal tools, things that are part of my personality. I've mentioned a few of them already. Um, and then there are also external tools and technologies that I use to help me accomplish my, my tasks 
my my day to day life. So just going back, I think to to start with the first set, the the personal attributes. I've already mentioned my love of solving puzzles and solving problems. I think I have a a a, a way of approaching new tasks that means that if I'm going to try something for the first time, I'm going to assume I will be able to do it because that then shifts the questions that I need to ask because it's not about can I, because the brain is a very powerful thing. So if the brain believes that I can do it, it really does mean, okay, we can do this. So how? And I think that goes back into the, the, the problem solving. Also understanding that breaking things down into smaller chunks, smaller pieces, single steps, helps me to get through bigger challenges. Because sometimes if you're facing something that seems really overwhelming, it can be a way of just breaking down that big overwhelming task and, and making it more, more easy to navigate. And then also, I know and I understand what it is in my world, things that I can do that bring me joy. And in my case, that is music, it is um, reading, and it's spending time with my family and friends. So those are all internal things, internal tools that I use whenever I'm facing adversity. I also believe very strongly that communication is important and I am unafraid to use my voice, use my, my advocacy skills to try and change what other people believe, what they think, what they try to impose on me in terms of the limitations. And then, as I've said, my support system is incredibly strong, and that's an incredible tool that is there for me in support. But mostly, I think the tools that I find are the things that I'm using on a fundamental day-to-day -day basis are tools like technologies and things that have been put in place specifically to help people who are blind to accomplish tasks. So on my laptop, for example, I have a software application which is called text to voice or a screen reader. And that allows me to interact with a standard laptop exactly the same as a sighted person would, only I'm listening to anything that appears on the screen. So anything that a sighted person will look at, I hear through my headphones. And then I, I type in or I'm able to dictate if I want to input information and I'm able to do all of the normal things. And I can use any of the normal products that people use. You know, and I, I happen to be a, a Microsoft user. So, you know, Word, Excel, any of those products all of those are completely accessible to me most of the time. Sometimes I do struggle, as I said, with um, website access. And a lot of that is simply 
because people don't take the needs of someone with accessibility into mind. But often it's just a question of speaking to the developers and saying, hey, can you just label that button? Or can you just fix that process? Or give me a, a, an idea of what's in that image? And most developers are actually really happy to help. Most. Unfortunately, not all. So that kind of tool is an also incredibly useful. Similarly, I my mobile phone, I do a lot of work. I think I'm almost completely um, constantly attached to my mobile phone, my cell phone. And, and I've got all of the normal apps on there that, that a sighted person would. And again, it's, I'm able to use that using text to voice. So as I run my fingers over the screen, my voice reads out to me what is appearing on the screen before me. So it'll be the icons or the application names and all of that. And then I just use a system of gestures of swipes and taps to allow me to engage with the technology. Included in that is things that assist with navigation. So your Google Maps, your Apple Maps, that kind of application can be used to help with navigation. There's a, a number of amazing tools that have become available over the last, gosh, probably 10, 15 years maybe, that allow me to connect with a sighted volunteer if there's something that I need to be able to see that all else has failed and I can't get it through any other means. So I have access to almost borrow someone else's eyesight if I need to. And then another part of the external tools and technologies that really have helped me in, in my adjustment is more simple tools. I, as many people, I first do become blind, I learned to use a white cane to help me navigate the world around me. My white cane skills are really not good. So I was very much happier to start working with a guide dog. And I've worked with three different guide dogs over the last number of years. And they've been incredible helpmates in, in helping me gain back the confidence to move around, to gain the independence of, as a way to navigate my world. I Unfortunately, my, um, my most recent guide dog, Fiji, passed away at the end of last year, so in October 2023. So I'm, I'm back to using my white cane um, with, with all of the, the fun times that that brings with it and all the uncertainties that 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 brings with it for me and you know they're, they're different tools for me I prefer a guide dog it doesn't make it better as a tool other people are much more happy using a white cane than they are using a guide dog and many people who are sight impaired don't need to use either a cane or a guide dog it doesn't mean that they're not visually impaired in some way but you know that, that's another one of those stereotypes that people kind of think. If you have a visual impairment, you are automatically totally blind, which isn't entirely true. Very, very few of us are totally blind with no usable vision. And yeah, I, I think 
the the final tool that has been incredibly valuable is the amount of information that is out there in the world. Be that online. Online is incredibly powerful. There's so much information, sometimes almost too much. And navigating the space of knowing what is usable information that can be valuable to me and what is not appropriate for my situation, that's a bit of trial and error sometimes. But there is a lot of information out there. And I'm really, really fortunate that I live in a time that I do have access to all of that information. Because back when I lost my sight, I didn't. You know, in the the the, the late ni- early nineties, there wasn't as much information out there, and there wasn't the the technology available that meant that I could hop onto the internet and research things. And then the the final tool that I think I'd like to mention is the number of organisations who are working to serve the needs of people living with disabilities. In every situation, every location, those may look different. They may be different places, different organizations, different people, different tools and resources, but it can be anything from medical professionals, it can be OTs, um, you know, and it can go down to, well, down to, across to people like orientation mobility specialists technology specialists, and there are usually people that we can reach out to in order to help us to overcome a lot of the challenges that do come up when adapting to blindness, adapting to any change in one's life experience. So internal, uh, personal, social and and really external. Um, all of those are tools that I think I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to access. Well, thank you. My last question is: What was the gift that came from it? I really I've, I've listened to a couple of your episodes, so I, I expected this question. I knew it was coming, and you've also been really good about communicating the the structure of your show. So I've I've known the question was coming, and every time I think about answering the question, I have a different answer. And that's really because I think so much of my life is a gift that I would not have experienced were it not for my blindness. Um, It can be as simple as the opportunity of working with the incredible, incredible guide dogs that I've been partnered with, each of whom has been a treasure to in you know in, in her own right. It can be having a story that I can share with the world that can help to change other people's lives, to have the voice, the confidence to speak up and change the world for other people who don't have the privileges that I do. Um, It can be the the, the story that helped me to write and 
and be awarded bestseller status on two of my six books. But I think most the 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 gift that for me is the strongest one that I experience currently is the gift of knowing that everything that I have, everything that I've done, the person that I am today, that I'm able to use all of that in my work as a disability coach to help others, to guide them through the same challenges or similar challenges or slightly different challenges that they are facing in their lives and hopefully to make a difference in their lives. Well, thank you very much for coming to the show. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you today, Jury. Thank you so much for taking the time to learn a little bit about my story. And I really hope that you recover your voice soon. Thank you. And thank you to our audience. And see you next time.